Welcome to the AcrePro.com weekday conversation, a little bit different than our usual format for this, but uh, obviously the news of the day, Jeff Brom has taken the job at Louisville. He will be heading on a, uh, heading down to uh, Louisville here, but probably by the end of the day today, if I don't know when this actual announcement is going to be. And no real surprise based on the last uh, 24, 48 hours of this, but yet uh, it, there is some finality to all this. And Tom, I'll start with you, just your <laughs> initial reaction to uh, what has gone down at this point. Yeah, I guess not a not a surprise, right? Uh, there always seemed to be an air of inevitability that this day was coming. And uh, we almost saw it happen, obviously, in 2018. And and here it is, guys. This sort of came out of the blue uh, Monday morning, early Monday mornings when the Scott Satterfield news broke. Caught everybody by surprise, I'm guessing. May maybe they knew this was in the works, too. But it, regardless of that, the job opened up and people make the obvious doc connections and speculation obviously really hit full steam quickly on Monday. And here we are, guys, Wednesday, uh, and, the, and he's gone, reportedly gone. There's been no official announcement yet, but he's reportedly gone. And yeah, and uh, here's proven in the midst of a job search. So which direction they go? I don't know. We could spend two hours talking about possible head coaches, but just real quick on Brom, I mean, six years, guys. Uh, I think he checked a lot of boxes, did a lot of good things, won a lot of games, and uh, just got the program back on solid footing, right? Now he's gone after six years. He finally he's going back home again. He's getting what he wanted, and uh, I guess you just wish him the best and thank him, I think, pretty much, pretty much for a job well done. Ryan, uh, your observations, but also just kind of what this sets in motion in terms of Purdue's got a bowl game to play. Obviously, the transfer portal is going fast and furious. You have net signing day. Purdue would, uh, one would think, uh, need to move relatively quickly if it can to hire a replacement. Yeah, I mean, is anybody going to? I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, the transfer portal opened up yesterday. Um, there were scenarios here where, might not have a team yeah. like I it, it it's kind of we don't have a lot of perspective on this type of situation because things have changed um but theoretically you could lose a bunch or you could have a bunch of guys put their names in the portal right away here um which you know might be to their interests because they could theoretically start taking official visits this weekend um you could have a bunch of guys go in the portal you could have a bunch of coaches leave because there's no guarantee of them there's nothing guaranteed with them here and what's left to play in the bowl game. You know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the flying ointment for the whole bowl system more so now than ever is that the timing of it coming weeks after the portal opens, that just adds to the, the whole issue that's always been in place where this is also coaching change season. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not really sure what Purdue's going to be left with here in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll we'll kind of have to wait and see. But, you know, I don't think Purdue's not taken by surprise here. Purdue's known the deal here for years uh, in terms of this is how this was probably almost certainly going to end uh, at some point in time. Um, so they were ready for this, I'm sure. And they'll be ready to embark on a search. The bowl game, you know, is almost – as unfortunate it is to say this, the Citrus Bowl is of things, yeah. sort of a secondary story now. It's a secondary concern. Um, the long-term viability of Purdue's program, the long-term outlook of Purdue's program, its next direction, 
that is now the much bigger story. But it feels like now the Citrus Bowl is just kind of an afterthought. And again, Tom, also speculation, certainly, but any any feelings on who might might be heading with them to Louisville from an assistant coach standpoint? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still early, obviously. Um, nothing has actually been officially announced, as you guys have both pointed out. Uh, one would think he would take a lot of his Purdue coaches. That's usually what happens, but not maybe not always. And yet you're going to have to have, and you may, any any clue on who might be the be the interim coach for that bowl game? Yeah, um, I think, um, you know, a good majority of these guys are going to follow Jeff Brom to Louisville, ASAP. Yeah. Uh, most of the offensive staff, I believe, Chris Barclay, obviously, he's a Louisville guy. That's where he grew up. And uh, Dale Williams has been a longtime Brom assistant. Uh, and, you know, Garrick McGee hired Jeff Brom when he was head coach at UAB. They're, they're good friends as well. And and obviously, Brian Brom is brother. So, uh, speaking of Brian Brom, I'm reporting that he's going to be the interim head coach. So he, he will remain and to lead the program through their January 2nd cheese at Citrus Bowl against LSU in Orlando. Of course, Brian was the interim head coach for the season opener in 2020 when Jeff was out with COVID. Brian Brom left Purdue to a 24-20 win that day. <clears throat> Defensively, guys, I think Ron English is going to go. Uh, I think Mark Hagan's deciding. Mark Hagan has been extended an invitation. He's going to have to decide quickly. Not sure about um, um, David Elson. I'm not sure if Ashton Yabodi will be invited. So just stay tuned, guys. It's going to get interesting here uh, to see what this coaching staff looks like in 24, 48 hours. Practice is supposed to start, remember, Jeff Bromstead on next Thursday or Friday, I think the 16th and 17th or 15th and 16th. So they're about a week away from starting bowl practice, and the staff could be falling apart. They could be left with who knows, GAs, I don't know, coaching this team. So anyway, there's, there's just a lot of – Balls in the air, and you know Brian talked about some of the other things. There's just a lot of going on in December, and now Purdue's got this thrown in its lap. So uh, it's it's going to be crazy. I'd like to know what you guys think. How soon is Purdue to get somebody in the big chair here? Yeah, Brian. Well, always the sooner the better, but you also don't want to half-ass the search. You, yeah. you want to make sure you get the right guy. I mean, nowadays you want to get him in ASAP because the portal is so important and. Stability is important. <laughs> Recruiting remains important. Um, but I think you also, now more than ever, you know, there's so much money involved here. There's so much money at stake. Um, yeah. You can't mess this up. And you're there are going to be good hires. There's going to be bad hires. There's going to be disastrous hires. There's going to be amazing hires just like there has always been on all four fronts, but you have to make sure that you, you've, you've crossed every T and you've dotted every I and you, you've looked under every couch cushion and you want to make sure that um, there's nothing you don't know about these guys uh, because there's always going to be risk involved with the hiring process. It's the reason nobody wants to do it. It's the reason that Mel Tucker makes a billion dollars a year off of one good season. It's because people don't want to lose good coaches or coaches they think are good coaches and then have to go do it all over again because every time you do it, you're pulling the pin out of the grenade and then you're trying to put it back in. Um, but you you just want to make sure you take your time with this and you have a grasp on everything you need to have a grasp on. So you want it done ASAP, but you don't want it 
done too quickly so that you run the risk of having missed something very important. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I think that that's uh, uh, about as clear as it's going to be. One thing we do know, Purdue's going to pay, you know, at least historically, they paid Jeff Brom this year with <laughs> 5.1 million plus whatever else he made. Uh, Brom's reportedly going for 35 million for six years at uh, Louisville, but it's not that money is no object, but Purdue should be able to pay pretty competitively. Tom, I'll start with you on that. I mean, yeah. it shouldn't be that should, no longer is should be a huge uh, hindrance like it used to be back in the day. So not at all. You're right. You know, given how flush these Big Ten athletic departments are going to be here very soon with all this television loot. So and we're seeing nine million dollars. I think Brian talked about you know, it's almost a new bar, the new high bar and in, in for paying college football coaches. I don't think Purdue's going to go that high, obviously, but they can be very competitive, right? And it's on Mike Bobinski's shoulders. <laughs> and like Brian said, too, nobody knows. I don't care who you are, who you know. Nobody knows if any hire is going to work out. I mean, it's 60% proposition at best. You're right. <laughs> you know how much betting you do, how many questions yeah. you ask, I don't how many lunches you take them out to. Nobody knows. So it's always a roll of the dice. I guess my question too, you know, Mike Bobinski is 65 years old. And um, how much longer is he going to work? And if you were a head coach and you're hired by Mike Bobinski, is he, is he going to retire in a couple of years? I, I don't know. And there's, there's a dynamic of a new president matter. It probably doesn't. Of course, there's a new president coming on board in January. I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but always, always high anxiety. I, anytime you, you, anytime there's change in life, whatever it is, right? It's high anxiety for, for Purdue athletics and, and the fan base too. So, and then like Brian talked about too, there's a lot going on transfer portal. I've heard all kinds of crazy stories about 15 or 20 guys jumping in. No, nobody's jumped in the last few days. I think you got to wait to see what happens. If you're smart at Purdue, right. But there's a lot of anxious players out there right now. They like everybody else wants to know what their future is going to look like. Who's going to be the leader of them. Yeah. I think one thing that's important with Purdue and I agree there, there's certainly change. Uh, at the at, at president university but the board has just been pretty rock solid about its desire to be uh, the mike Burgoffs of the world uh, the mike klipsch's the the gary layman the the joanne briettes on down the line is it pretty they know what they've invested in they got a as we've talked about a 50 million dollar uh renovation project or whatever that 45 million dollars my point is, is there's I don't think there's any concern a commitment where that had been a case. I mean, we're talking apples and oranges in terms of timing too. We all get that, but you know, do you think any, you know, the obstacles, Brian, to this, do you, you know, if you were sitting in the athletic director's chair or whatever, do you, you one would assume it would be an offensive guy or at least have somebody to have that that's the formula at Purdue. But uh, how do you look at that? If you were, if you were making that call, what, what would you look at right away? Yeah, no, it, it has to be um, somebody who's either an offensive guy or somebody who's going to be committed to running um, creative offense, entertaining offense, because at the end of the day, this is still about winning games, but also selling tickets. I think uh, up-tempo or big play offense or exciting offense, however you want to define it, I think is something that's a, an advantage in recruiting. Uh, I think when you're a program um, like Purdue, I think you need to sell your history. I think you need to have connections to certain things that you can use to try to set yourself apart from other programs like you. And I think Purdue's history at quarterback is something that Purdue needs to embrace 
no matter who the coach is. And I think it's something they have to, they have to recruit toward. They have to be a quarterback minded school. They have to be a quarterback driven school. Uh, you know, things like that. Is that a deal breaker? Probably not. Um, I don't think you're going to go find the perfect coach, but then hire a quarterback guy instead of him just because of that. But I think that it's important for Purdue to embrace that history um, because it's so important to set yourself apart in recruiting and in terms of just being relevant in college football, things like that. But I, I think the offensive piece of it's important. I think the ability to recruit in a modern age now uh, is particularly important. I think somebody who is going to really be all in on the portal and really all in on understanding that, you know, these guys are getting paid now and, Whereas we might not be paying the players to come here, we have to understand that we're, there's going to be some things we might have to manage eventually. We're going to have to work with a lot of different constituencies here to make this program work, kind of stuff like that. Just kind of a, somebody who's good to work with, somebody who's has a modern approach to things, kind of things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, like the NIL. Somebody with some energy, you know, somebody with a big personality would be helpful. Um, yeah. All the standard stuff, pretty much. But I, I think offense is important. I think recruiting is important. I think an ability to adjust to the modern climate of college football is important. And um, everything else kind of falls in line after that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like you said, the NIL stuff, at least because in the job interviewing process, that person will have to be be understood that. Uh, That's going to be the number one question. Understand that there's an infrastructure here, and, there, yeah. and we've talked about that in the Boilermaker Alliance, et cetera. Is it, you know, is that going to be uh, a selling point? The fact that Drew Brees is involved with that probably doesn't hurt Purdue, but it's also not the. It is not a Columbus, Ohio marketplace here, as we all understand. So that part of it, uh, it, it makes for at least it's going to be a discussion point. I agree. If I were if I were going to sit in that shoe, those shoes, I would say. Yeah, you can be committed to us, but can I get players and can I get enough to to, to make a difference uh, down the road and and uh, and have the success that, that you need? Um, Tom, any, you know, from a, from a building standpoint, you know, you having guys and we and we've you know, well, we have names already on our list at uh, on the site as we speak. Um, but you look at that and you say, do you need, is part of that ingredient, you need somebody that's got that mentality of building a program. I mean, is that, or is this program in your view stable or built to a level that can work because of what Jeff Brom did? What, how do you see that? I don't know. I, I think you can, with the portal now, you can flip a roster in one year. I mean, it's, uh, there's no three or four or five year build, obviously more. So this job has changed so much since when Jeff Rom took it in 2017. Yeah. And I just think how college football has transformed in those six years. Yeah. It doesn't look anything the same. So, uh, and I think the job requirements have changed. And Brian talked about some of those things that are, are going to be necessary. Embracing this new world order uh, of NIL and of transfer portal and a free movement. Um, it is what it is, man. And, and you got to figure it out. You got to embrace it and try to make it work. And it, it, it's, it's not just going to be the head coach. He's got to have everybody on board. I think we've hinted at that, right? Uh, university hierarchy to your collective people as well. Um, if you want to have a good football team, everybody's got to be pushed in that same direction. So uh, I think the Boilermaker Alliance has got a good start here. It seemed like earnest people who are doing a good job. University's done its part with their uh, name, image, and likeness as well. And 
I think they've shown a commitment to football. Uh, we talked about this off the top with the work going on now over at Ross Age Stadium. So there, there's plenty there for make this a great job. It's a Big Ten job, guys. And every Big Ten job is a good job. I don't care where you're at. You have a chance to succeed, I think. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, we talked about the template real quick, too. Uh, we all know the template you'd like to ideally have is an all, on the offensive side of the ball. Like Brian talked about, I think about the elevator pitch. You walk in an elevator, can you tell me in 10 seconds what you are? If you can't, then you're in trouble. And people got to think Purdue, that's, that's Purdue. That's what they do. I think we know what Purdue is in their elevator pitch. Whoever that head coach is has got to embrace that. It can be a defensive guy, but uh, he's going to have to have a good staff around him. So I wouldn't shut the door off to anybody. Age, you know, background, level of football. I think there's great coaches everywhere. But like I talked about, too, it's certainly hard to, to make sure you got the right guy. Yeah, there, no doubt that's going to be the challenge. How much, you know, Brian, is Mike Babinski, and obviously a guy that's been around the block we talked about, and he's not said anything about retirement, and I get the sense he's at least two to three years out. That's uh, That would be my sense, though he did turn 65 this year. Mm -hmm. uh, but this that cachet of a guy that can go out and has has that ability to get people's attention. I mean, he did that last time i mean at a different level with getting a jeff brom here but at a time where Purdue football was a complete and utter dumpster fire mm -hmm. uh and he was able to at least secure a, a pretty you know a coach at least was on the rise uh how big a factor is that that alignment factor we've talked about but also the fact that mike babinski and company know how to do this yeah i, th I think he's got a he's got a good track record of supporting his coaches i think yeah you know, you can talk to Jeff Brom and you can talk to you can talk to Matt Painter and you can talk to the football and basketball coaches he's, he's had in his time. You can talk to Sean Miller. You can talk to Chris Mack, whoever it might be. Um, Paul Johnson, maybe not so much, but I don't know <laughs> yeah. Paul Johnson really liked anybody. Yeah, um, there's a certain generation of football coaches that just nothing's ever enough and they're always unhappy. And uh, it, it just kind of is what it is. But I think he's got a long track record uh, of really supporting his coaches and understanding his coaches and being there for his coaches and being somebody who's really, really good to work for. And I think he's got a personality about him. I think he's a good communicator. Um, and I think he's good at this. I think this yeah. is kind of what he does. And I think that, you know, he's always looked for the up and comer. And he's got kind of a he seems like he's got a good eye for it because he's done pretty well in that regard in basketball and football. Um, Jeff Brown being really the only example from a football perspective. Um, but I think that Purdue's got the right guy out there looking. Um, you know, last last time the trustees were really involved, whether or not they will be this time around, I don't know. Uh it's probably a good thing for Purdue that the presidential transition happened now as opposed to a couple months from now, because there's not going to be any question about who's who's running the university. You know, Mike, you guys mentioned his age and how much longer he has. I, I don't really see a whole lot of sign of him, you know, having one foot out the door here. No, no. So, you know, six years for a football coach, as Jeff Braun gave Purdue, that's not an insignificant amount of time. I mean, these guys age in dog years, mm, um, yeah. you know, from a job perspective and being in the same job for six years, you know, they're not all going to be Gene Cady. They're not all going to be Matt Painter. They're not all going to be Joe Tiller. Um, did I say Joe Tiller already? 80th anniversary of his birth today, my friend. Yep. They're not all going to be those guys you have for 
anywhere between, you know, 12 and 25 years. Um, so I, I, I don't know if, if, you know, produce produce AD being 65 years old is going to be something that really resonates with the guys he goes and talks to because they're not, they're going to be looking at year one. They're not going to be looking at like year eight. Um, if you get to year eight, you've done a pretty good job and you probably don't have to worry about who your AD is going to be anyway. So I think this is kind of a lot like recruiting. Like some of us look at it from, you know, a few steps back, but the people involved probably look at it like what's happening tomorrow. The coaches Purdue's going to talk to are going to look at it like, can I win now? Can I win tomorrow? Um, so I think this is probably a, a little bit of a secondary concern. I'm not dismissing it entirely, but I think that uh, I think that you know Mike Babinski has shown he can go out and get good coaches and identify good coaches, and I just up to him to do it again. Yeah, it's got a, a, a simple but challenging challenging proposition. Winning now, and again, this is getting you know is Purdue's going to have some challenges, obviously, with some potential. But like Tom, you've written. You can turn that roster, but you got a tough schedule next year um, without question with Ohio State and Michigan in that first seven games uh, when you get Fresno and Syracuse. Uh, I, I get that. That's all That's all part of it, uh, too. But, you know, you're right. It's hard to dismiss, too, Brom. Six years, you know, as Tom, you've written many times, Jim Coletto, Jeff Brom, Joe Tiller, and Jack Mullenkoff since 1956. I mean, Jim Young was a great coach. only made it five years at Purdue. So um, that's still, it's, it's hard to say that that's, that uh, again, that that's, there's no, no lack of significance of the time spent by Jeff Brom at Purdue. No, no, there's not. And um, again, like, like Brian said, six years is a long time, man. And um, a lot's gone on in six years. I've thought about that a lot. And uh, you know, maybe maybe this is this is this seems like the great the great time to I guess drop the mic for Jeff Brown. Yeah, I, I just think so Leave too. The apex here, and he gets to finally go home. We don't have to hear about it anymore. Sirens wailing. Now he's answering the siren. Finally, everybody's going to be happy. They can skip down the I sixty five and do whatever they want to do at Louisville and and be on their merry way. More power to them. Again, thanks for what they did and. And it just, it just got tiresome. Though, the, the constant... And I think the Purdue audience got tired yes. of it too, though. Yeah. Yes. That, no question. That's a big part of this too, is that this is a good, a good time for both, for both parties. This is a good clean break. Um, Everybody can move on. Everybody knew how this was going to end. Uh, and it's better for it to just happen, you know, than to mm. keep playing this. When will it happen game? The, the thing at the alumni function last year was, you know, I, I just wrote my column. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just completely hijacked this question. But I just wrote my column that anybody's surprised by this outcome. This that that's on them because he's he's told you what he was going to do without yeah. telling you what he was going to do for years now. Um, as soon as he turned down Louisville the first time, there was always that asterisk that was like, "Well, the timing's not right," which is essentially a translation for. So probably next time, you know, I think he was, he was always going to be the guy who replaced Satterfield whenever that might be. Uh, he didn't want to be, he didn't want to leave Purdue after two years, but he also didn't want to take over the mess. Bobby Petrino, you know, left. 
Um, but the the comments to the alumni thing uh, last year about you never know what will happen. That was him simply playing every side of the fence, making sure that the Louisville people know, hey, I'm still here when you want me. Um, we all know the deal here. We all know Oscar wants him at Louisville. We all know Greg wants him at Louisville. We all know people very, very close to him want him at Louisville. Um, Brady he, wants him at Louisville. Brady wants him at Louisville. Um, <laughs> they've been telling people for months that they're they're on their way out. Uh, that's that's not Jeff running around telling people. That's um, other mean. people. But there's no surprise to any of this here. Um, the only surprise came in how it happened because Satterfield was fired. Yeah. Satterfield was fired halfway through this season and he pulled the magic trick of getting himself out of the oven to the point where he could actually parlay it into staying ahead of the posse by getting an arguably better job. Um, and that opened it up for Brown, but this thing fell apart a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago when Satterfield, you know, turned things around. But this was a done deal last year, I think. I think Ty Ray tried to get this going last year, and the president of Louisville blocked it because uh, they didn't want to move on Satterfield that quickly. Um, but as soon as Satterfield was out the door, this was going to be a done deal. That doesn't mean Jeff Brown's mind and heart weren't with Purdue for the last two seasons. It just means that this has been on the back burner behind the scenes, and this was always how it was going to end. And it just ended in a different way than, you know, people figured it would, but it ended as expected nonetheless. Sorry uh, to have completely hijacked that, that. Tom, last any last words? And I know you've got more media to I do. Gotta we, go. we, I got I, I, I to gotta go. But we appreciate uh, this. There'll be a lot more to talk about this, obviously. Make sure you check out the site. Uh, we'll be talking to anybody and everybody that we can in terms of uh, the next phase. All right. So we want to thank acrepro.com. And remember to call 765-587-3185 or visit your local land expert today. We appreciate them. Guys, uh, it's going to be a busy period of time, but we'll look forward to uh, this whole process here down the road. So have a great rest of your Wednesday night. And uh, Brian will have a lot of basketball too as Purdue takes on Hofstra here. Biggest story of the day. <laughs> Before long. All right. Thanks again. Thanks for watching and listening. And uh, we'll see you down the road.